Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. And I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And it is Friday night here in Berea, where the Browns uh, finished up day two of training camp. Uh, so you're probably listening to this on Saturday, or may, heck, maybe even Sunday, I don't know. Uh, but the Browns will have pads on on Saturday, so I know, Mary Kay, we are excited about that, because that is really, that's really kind of the first real day of, of camp. Yeah, you know what, these first couple of days... Uh, we often wonder, fans come out, they don't see much, there's not any hitting, you don't have those sirens going off, and, uh, you know, the running backs can just uh, run through air and, uh, you know, it makes it look like the defenders yeah. aren't doing their job, but they just can't do their job right now. So tomorrow is the big day when you really start to see, you know, how Miles Garrett is going to look against Sean Coleman. Uh, you're going to get to see how does Carlos Hyde blast through the linebackers perhaps. Yep. You know, things like that. So uh, up until those pads go on, it's just kind of limps along a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to get to that here at the end. We're going to talk about um, sort of what we watch at training camp and, and what we can learn at training camp. Because I was actually just talking to somebody about that today who, who was kind of out here, hadn't been through many NFL training camps, and, and we were kind of talking about, so what, what can you really tell? So we're going to get into that. But first of all, we're going to talk about the news of the day, um, which is Des Bryant. It's becoming more and more possible that he could end up as a Cleveland Brown. Of course, you broke that story before his tweet storm. So, (laughs) as always, it is ever developing. Uh, But you were the first to have it. The Browns are kind of maybe in the early stages Mm -hmm. of uh, exploring a deal with Des Bryant. Yeah, basically what's happened so far is that the Browns and Des Bryant's representatives have had conversations. There has been contact. Now, when we talked to John Dorsey the other day, he said basically internally they've talked about Des Bryant, but these are actually discussions that have taken place with his reps. Now, yesterday at practice, I saw John Thornton here. That's Hugh Jackson's agent. He works for Jay-Z's Rock Nation which also represents Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure some of those talks were taking place with John Thornton and Jimmy Haslam, and then John Thornton talked to John Dorsey. But that's not all. There have been other uh, conversations, I believe, with his actual agent, uh, the person that is responsible for Des Bryant, and her name is Kimmy Ali. And, um, you know, I think that the Browns have had at least preliminary talks. Now, what has to happen next is I think Des Bryant has to decide if he 
wants to play for a team that went 0-16 last yeah. year. Okay, I, Really, truthfully, I think that's what it is. I think he has to get a comfort level with that. And he has said he wants to play for a contender. He wants a one-year prove-it deal, and he wants to play for a contender. Well, when you look at it, this would not be the worst situation to land in uh, to get yourself back on the map. This is not the Cleveland Browns of 2017. You've got Tyrod Taylor here who could get him the ball. You've got other guys that can take attention away from him, like Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman if he steps it up. And who knows what's happening with Josh Gordon right now, but the reason they're even entertaining signing Des Bryant is because they don't know what's going on with Josh Gordon, and therefore he would be able to step right in there and get a ton of playing time depending on what happens with Josh. Well, and, you know, based off the tweet storm we saw from him, uh, and if you haven't seen it, go check out. I know you put some in your story, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, just go check out his Twitter feed as well. Um, He'd have to be pretty comfortable with Todd Haley's play calling, which I think he probably would be based on what Haley did in Pittsburgh. But, of course, you know, he was ripping on the lack of creativity uh, in Dallas's play calling last year and, and all of that. So I guess he'd have to get himself comfortable with that too. Well, I don't think he'd have to worry about that here because I think you've got a number of really good offensive minds here that are going to be creative with this offense. And I think you're going to be some, be seeing some interesting things, some things that Todd Haley didn't do in Pittsburgh that he's going to have to do here because he's mm-hmm. now got a dual-threat quarterback, so he's going to do RPOs and things like that that um, – that Tyrod Taylor will be able to do well to utilize his running ability. So I don't think Des would have a problem with that. I just think he probably would have to wrap his brain around coming to an 0-16 football team. Yeah, and, and not just, I mean, an 0-16 football team with a history of losing. I mean, it's not like it was an aberration. or I mean, right. this team has lost. It just reached historic levels last season, so that, that would be interesting. Now, the other name connected to the Browns has been Adam Pacman Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, he carries some different baggage than Des Bryant. Um, we, we know about the off-field issues. They've, they have been well-documented. Uh, the question with both of these guys is – would it be healthy for the Browns to bring in guys that, you know, Des Bryant, obviously not afraid to go public with his uh, with his complaints. Uh, there's been questions about him as, you know, kind of the teammate sideline antics questions. And, of course, Pac-Man Jones with all the off-field baggage. Do the Browns need to add that to their locker room? Well, you know, it all depends. You have to take each situation individually. And here are two reasons why I think – the Browns could possibly handle some guys like this. Number one, let's take um, Adam Pacman Jones, Hugh Jackson. Those two are very close. <laughs> yeah. They know each other very well. Hugh Jackson was his position coach in Cincinnati in 2012. People forget that, that Hugh Jackson actually spent a year. That yes. Marvin Lewis kind of bailed him out. When Marvin bailed him out, it was yep. to make him the cornerback's coach after he got fired in Oakland. Yes, exactly. And those two got very, very close. Now, Hugh Jackson has a little bit of a reputation for being able to handle difficult guys like that. And whereas other people may not have known how to handle Adam Jones, Hugh Jackson could handle him. To the point mm-hmm. where, if you recall and you wrote the story, Last year, he defended Hugh Jackson when the Bengals beat the Browns 31-7. to He said, Hugh Jackson doesn't have enough to win with there. He also said, if I had to go to war with somebody, if this guy needed to go to war, I would go with him. So this sort of gives you an idea of what the relationship is like between Hugh Jackson and Adam Jones. And if anybody can handle him, Hugh Jackson can handle Adam Jones. So that's why I think, you know, that's one guy, one situation right there 
um, where it might be doable. Now, most places would probably say not going there, but because of Hugh, it's actually a possibility here. Then the same thing with Des Bryant. You have got Adam Henry here. Adam Henry yeah. is the wide receivers coach. He just got done coaching Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> okay? So he knows how to handle tough personalities at the receiver position. And maybe Des Bryant is a tough personality, and maybe he's not. I don't really know him personally. Yeah. Um, the Twitter rant that he went on tonight, uh, it, it was, you know, I, I actually, as we delve more into it, it seems like Stephen Jones' comments were taken out of context. Yeah. And when it appeared that perhaps he was blaming Dak Prescott's struggles on, um, on Des Bryant, he really wasn't trying to do that. But that's how Des Bryant took it. And this is an emotional thing. That's, that was his football team. I mean, it's got to be really hard for him to be let go by the Cowboys, especially oh, yeah. because he's got a close relationship with Jerry Jones, and he still does. Um, so, but I do think that Adam Henry could handle a guy like Des Bryant. He, we've talked to him extensively at minicamp. He just is one of those guys that he knows how to deal with, with guys like this. Yeah, well, and, and you'd have a veteran quarterback in Tyrod Taylor mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and look, the bottom line is, does he produce? Mm-hmm. You know, with, with a guy like Kenny Britt last year, you could have put up with some of his antics had he had a similar season to the year before that he had with the Rams. Well, right. He obviously didn't. He was dropping footballs. Right. You know, all, that's all well documented. Um, if, if Des Bryant came here and produced and filled a little bit of that void that you'd be losing uh, if Josh Gordon weren't playing – you can live with some things. Yeah, I mean, there are just not that many people that you could get that could even come close to Josh Gordon, right? Yeah. Even come close. But Des Bryant has averaged, uh, I think, about 800 yards in each of his last two seasons. He's had three 1,000-yard seasons, and sometimes a change of scenery can do a player good. Now, also, he would have a veteran Pro Bowl quarterback here in Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, that changes things. And in talking to a lot of the guys here, including like a Christian Kirksey today, he was saying that, you know, this is this is a different Cleveland Browns football team. This is a, a place where now you can get a Michael Kendricks who won a Super Bowl last year with the Philadelphia Eagles to want to come here. You can get a Jamie Collins who won Super Bowls with the Patriots to want to be here. Uh, they they feel like they're onto something, and I think that these guys feel if they can get Des Bryant into this building and talk to some of these guys like Tyrod Taylor, like Jarvis Landry, that he will see that it's not what it looks like from the outside, and there are some decent things going on here. Yeah, I mean, last year, 69 catches, 838 yards. The year before, uh, 50 catches, 796 yards. He's got 14 touchdowns the last two years. Right. You know, I, I mean... Yeah, they were down years for Dez, and there's a reason the Cowboys moved on. But, you know, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. And if the Browns feel comfortable with his, with everything that has happened tonight right. and with everything that could come with signing Dez, then, then you go for it. Yeah, and, you know, again, if you thought that Josh Gordon was going to be on your football team this year and you were all excited about what a Pro Bowl caliber player like that could do for you, you know, there's just not a lot of guys sitting around out there 
waiting for a job. So you have to explore this. You have to kick the tires on Des Bryant. There's no way that you can't do it. And I actually think that it would be a good situation for him to try to get his career back on track. And if they could just sign him to a one-year deal and let him have that prove-it situation, uh, it could work out for both sides. Yeah, he's only 29. He turns yeah. thirty in uh, he turns thirty on in November. Right. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's get on to some other things. Let's talk about training camp mm-hmm. um, and what we've seen. Obviously, like we said, the two days, these first two days of training camp are strange. Um, with what we've seen, I, let, let's start with the quarterbacks. I think it's been a little up and down with both guys. Tyrod Taylor has made some nice throws. Mm-hmm. He had a ball batted down too. He threw an interception today. You know, Baker Mayfield has made some good throws as well. I think he's looked better in camp than he did in the spring, which mm-hmm. you want to see. Still hard to really tell, though. Um, but of what you've been able to see, what do you think of the quarterback play so far? Well, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about Baker Mayfield is that, and this was evident in minicamp and in OTAs, he really does throw a nice ball. He really does. He's got a very good arm, and he's very accurate. And that will go pretty far for you if you can be really accurate, and he is that. Now, uh, let's see how accurate he is once the, once the pressure comes on, once the pads come on, because if you look at his college tape, he was not pressured all that much. And, you know, he's, he has to throw from under center now, and the, and the spaces are going to be tighter than they were when he was in college. But the thing that always stands out to me when I look out there about Baker is that he puts a nice spin on the ball, he's got a good strong arm, and he goes it goes where he wants it to go. So I think that's good because it's the lights are starting to come on for him. He's starting to assimilate the playbook. He's starting to understand it. It's starting to he start it's starting to slow down for him just a little bit. You know, he's not completely overwhelmed with the avalanche of information running around his brain right now. So um, so I think that's good. He's made a lot of progress since minicamp. But in my mind, I still do see the wisdom in having Tyrod Taylor be the starting quarterback right now. I mean, why? What's the rush? And I think Tyrod looks good. I think, like you said, there's up and ups and downs, yeah. but that, that's training camp. Um, but for the most part, I think Tyrod has a great command of the offense. He's making plays out there. He's He's developing good chemistry with guys like particularly Jarvis Landry and David Njoku. I'm starting to see some good things between the two of those guys. Um, but I think it's set up the way that it should be right now. Yeah, and, um, you know, some other things that you have to keep in mind is the receivers have been in flux, <laughs> you know. Um, the guys that Tyrod Taylor is working with aren't necessarily around now. I'm speaking specifically about Josh Gordon working new guys in. Um, you know, it'll be fun to kind of see how these guys develop. And really, I'm more interested in the preseason games than anything. I want to see, you know, hopefully you're not seeing a lot of Tyrod Taylor in the preseason because he's already the starter. But I, I do want to see kind of how things look when you get into real games and the quarterbacks can get hit and how the offense runs in that setting. Yeah, you know what? Um, it, it's it's going to be really interesting tomorrow. There's so many things that I do want to watch when these pads go on. Uh, again, one of which will be how Sean Coleman holds up over there at left tackle. Um, you know, we've been seeing Miles Garrett get good pressure in these practices. We've been seeing some good things from some of the defenders. Uh, but that's something to watch tomorrow. Another thing is that Greg Robinson, who was the, the backup left tackle, yeah. and I think somebody who may have pressed Sean Coleman for that job, 
went, he, he was carted off today with, uh, he's going to be evaluated for a concussion. So that's something to watch because now uh, Austin Corbett will get some reps there. So, and he's a rookie, second round pick. So I think fans coming out and, and watching practice tomorrow might get an opportunity to see how he looks over there at left tackle. So there will be a lot to watch. Um, the other area is receiver, of course, with Gordon. With We talked about Des Bryant. Um, but the guys that are going to maybe step up in the absence of Gordon, you know, take some opportunities. Damian Ratley got hurt, mm-hmm. uh, hip injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He was standing out on the practice field today, so hopefully it's just a minor thing and he'll be back. Um, you know, they, they want to take care of these guys early in camp. Yep. Um, the name I keep coming back to, and I said it in a video yesterday, is – I'm really curious if a guy like Rashard Higgins can take advantage of this because Ricardo Lewis is out of the picture now. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Janis is a guy that maybe makes the team as a special teamer, um, but, you know, I think he's got to maybe earn that spot still a little bit. You know, with Ratley out, he's a guy you could sneak onto the practice squad probably if you mm-hmm. didn't want to put him on the roster. I'm just curious for Shard Higgins in year three, a guy who last year said to us he vowed to never get cut again. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious if he can live up to that because he had a good spring, and I've seen him make a couple catches here in training mm-hmm. camp too. Again, it matters when the pads go on, and it matters when they start playing preseason games. But yeah. so far, so good for a guy like Rashard Higgins. You know, I've always liked something about Rashard Higgins, and I don't know if it's just because I really like him as a person, so sometimes you have a tendency to pull for a guy when you really like him as a person. But I, I really I like his game. I, I watched him start to develop last year. I've seen him work really hard in the offseason. If you watch some of uh, the things that you'll see on social media, and, um, and like you said, he's been making some plays out here in practice. Yeah. Uh, we've seen uh, Baker May- Mayfield threw him a long touchdown pass yesterday, and you know he's just out there really working his tail off. And I think you're right, Dan. I think that he is somebody to watch. And now with some of the things that have gone on, like you said, with Ricardo Lewis, neck injury, now Damian Ratley, hip, Josh Gordon not being around, it opens up the door for a guy like Rashard Higgins to make this football team. And I think heading in, if none of those other things had happened, he would be scratching and clawing his way onto this roster. But I think now he's got an opportunity, and I think that's good because I think he's worth developing. Yeah, look, you've got to put it on tape. And so far, yeah. it seems like he's been putting it on tape based on what, on what we've seen. Uh, Jarvis Landry has lived up to the hype mm-hmm. so far. Um, but again, we'll know more when the pads go on and we get to see this running game. Yeah, that's another thing uh, to look at when you talk about Jarvis Landry is uh, he will be playing on the outside, which he normally hasn't done. So right now, and you're you're also kind of looking at two smaller receivers on yeah. the outside. If you end up with Jarvis and Corey on the outside, that's another reason why you know you might want to have a, a Des Bryant around so that you have that larger presence down there. Um, but you know, right now we want to see. Jarvis talks about he wants the opportunity to you know to go deep and to you know to increase that per catch average. Last year it was 8.8, and that is the lowest maybe in NFL history for anybody with 100 (laughs) or more catches. So he led the NFL with 112 receptions, but had the lowest, um, one of the lowest per catch averages at 8.8. So this is a chance for him to see what he can do um, in terms of, of, of a longer game. Okay, so one last topic here because I think fans are curious. Um, I, I think there's people who are curious because they come to camp and, yeah, we're, we're here every day. Like, we watch these practices every day. I, I think there's probably some things we take for granted that we get to see that fans don't always get to see that maybe come out once or can't make it out at all. Um, 
But one of the things I've certainly learned, I'm sure you've learned it as well, everyone here has learned, you've got to be careful about taking what you see in camp and run, going a little too crazy with it because mm-hmm. it's easy to do. Right. Um, so what are the things when you're watching training camp, kind of what are the things that you're really keeping an eye on? Obviously injuries is a big mm-hmm. one, but uh, outside of you know who's practicing, who's not, who leaves the field, what are the things you're watching in the play-to-play stuff that, that kind of shows you something? Well, with the quarterbacks, I, I like to, to look at um, accuracy, revolution on the ball, footwork, mechanical things. I, I, because yeah. those are the things that are going to translate. You know, a lot of, like you said, a lot of stuff does not carry over in, into a game or into the season. But that mechanical stuff does. So if you're putting balls all over the ground and you're not accurate, uh, that's going to show up in a football game. So that's one of the things I watch, you know, with the quarterbacks. Um, with the running backs, how quickly it's, do they hit the hole, Yeah, right? it's hard with running backs. Yeah, it, it is. But it's just how, you know, just their burst. How quickly do they hit the hole? Uh, and are they going to the right place? Are they dancing around? Or, or what are they doing? Um, and then with Miles Garrett, you know, I, I've been watching just how, how fast does he come off that edge? Just how, what is the is the first step like because that's so vitally important what happens in that split second um and just how fast is he getting there and he he looks pretty explosive to me this summer just in terms of that initial step yeah offensive line wise i think you watch to make sure they aren't getting a bunch of false starts Mm -hmm. um that they aren't just letting guys blow by them again that's easier to tell when there's pads on and they can actually hit each other Mm -hmm. um communication things like that but yeah i mean with the quarterbacks it really is just stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. How does the guy look throwing the ball? Does he look like he's in command? How does the ball look? Um, you know, you could you could tell pretty quickly with a guy like Cody Kessler mm-hmm. that maybe the arm strength wasn't there. Right. You know, that that's kind of one of the things you can tell in, right. in camp that translates into a season as well. Well, and, and the other thing that um, that I find interesting in this camp, they're talking about it a lot, and I'm seeing it out on the field, and that is the defenders attacking the yeah. ball. And you see more um, the defensive backs just playing that ball. They're trying to get the interceptions this year. And they're getting some in practice, and that's mm-hmm. good. And then you'll see, as the pads go on, uh, you'll see the linebackers trying to punch it out more. There's a big, huge emphasis on takeaways this year, and I think fans will see that when they come out. Yeah, Greg Williams loves takeaways, and he did not get very many of them last year. His defense was <laughs> dead last in takeaways. And yep. as I've said before, they went from before Thanksgiving until New Year's Eve before they forced a turnover. And, you know, the other thing, too, that was interesting is, you know, you can't even tell necessarily defensive alignments, right? Because we were kind of discussing this today, just standing out there. I don't remember Jabril Peppers lining up 30 yards from the line of scrimmage during camp last year. Right. Very often. Right. Uh, Or, you know, maybe it just didn't stand out because it hadn't really become a story yet. But, you know, even some of that stuff is hard to, to really get a read on because they know people are watching. Yeah. You know, they know that those bleachers are full and people are oh, watching, yeah. so they're not going to tip their hand a whole lot on things. Yeah, the other thing um, to watch is, you know, kind of who's second team, who's yeah. third team. Like today, Michael Kendricks entered uh, team drills for the first time, and he was playing primarily uh, with the second team defense. Uh, so that was something that we all wanted to see. Where You know, where are they going to fit him in? And even though Jamie Collins is not 
ready to practice in 11 on 11, and I'm sure he'll be out there soon. They did not have Michael Kendricks in there for him. They've mm-hmm. been using James Burgess and Jannard Avery, who is kind of picking up some steam. Yeah, that, that's really the stuff you watch is the reps. Right. You know, the reps, and then do guys make meaningful plays against the higher-up teams? You know, so we've seen some receivers where you start to notice a guy starts making plays, and you're like, okay, that guy's an undrafted guy, but he's moving up the depth chart a little bit. Right. He's been making some catches. Again, he's putting things on film. Um, those are sorts of the sorts of things that really the reps and where you are in the depth chart. Those are really telling things. You know, we haven't mentioned Antonio Callaway. No, we haven't. And, he, and you know what? I thought when we were talking about the receivers, oh, I've got to mention him, and then I completely <laughs> forgot. Well, we have to mention him because we did not see him in mini camp because he was suffering from a groin injury. He's out there practicing now, and he's flashing. Mm-hmm. He, he looks good. He looks athletic. Now, Dan, you and I were talking about this yesterday. It can be fool's gold in training camp. Yeah. But he is, he's really starting to look the part. And we saw him yesterday uh, beat Denzel Ward in a one-on-one drill. Uh, and you know we've seen him do some other good things. Now, he's a work in progress. He's got to knock off the rust. He sat out all of football. But he looks the part. And he's athletic, and he's somebody to watch in this camp. Yeah, and he's been doing it again, you know, not against four-teamers. He's doing it against real comp. He's doing it against yep. the, the top of the defensive depth chart. They've put him out there with the first team. Again, that's why I mentioned Rashard Higgins. I've seen him sneak up into that first team right. a couple of times, not consistently, but a couple of times. So those are the, just the sorts of things that, that stand out as we go along. Yep. All right, well, that will do it for a, a quick Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Friday night. Um, we'll try and get back to one of these maybe after the weekend. We'll kind of see uh, see how our schedule allows. It gets late very quickly uh, here in Berea. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening.